Hi everyone, this is Raoul Pal, the CEO and co-founder of Real Vision, and welcome to my podcast. Every week, I'm lucky enough to speak to tons of smart and innovative people in the financial game. I get so much insight from these conversations, and that's why I wanted to start this podcast, so I can share that knowledge with you. I hope you learn from the discussions, and you can always find more in-depth content at realvision.com. Enjoy the show. Well, guys, fantastic to have you on Real Vision. Really happy to be here. We're super pumped to be here. So do you want to introduce yourselves, obviously without doxing yourselves, who you both are in character? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Valet Jones. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Tally Labs. Um, and Tally Labs is the parent company best known for its character Jenkins the Valet, which I'm sure we will spend quite a time, quite a lot of time talking about today. Fantastic. And uh, I am C Ape Follow Ape Safa for short. Um, and I followed a lot of apes to earn that nickname. And I am uh, <laughs> I am also a co-founder at Tally Labs. Fantastic. So let's go back for the two of you. How the hell did you get into all of this? And how did you come up with this crazy but brilliant idea? So let's go back a bit in time, and then we'll talk about a lot of what you're doing and some of the journey you've got to get here, because it's it's a fascinating story and really interesting. Safa, I, I think we need to go back way, way back in time, yeah? Go back yeah. as far as you want. It starts in like, you know, 2000, 2001, probably. Um, we, we've been best friends since we were little kids. So the company... It's actually named after uh, the restaurant that we like had our first. Yeah, I guess when you were kids, you called them like playdates, uh, like one of our first playdates had. So we, we've been we've been best friends pretty much our whole lives, and have always looked for stuff to do together. Um, have had some some endeavors together in the past, like in real estate and stuff like that. Um, and so whenever new trends pop up, you know, we're we are sort of the first first person that that the other will text. Hey, have you seen this? Check this out. Whatever. Um, we both sort of discovered NFTs around the same time. Uh, I think NBA Top Shot was our first experience in the space, like so many others. Um, bought some really crappy projects, got rugged a bunch, and then only that, you know, it was only then that we were able to, to end up discovering BAYC, which was super cool. So, um, to, to go stop there a sec, talk me through this NFT journey from both yeah. of your perspective. Who saw NFTs and what did you see in them? Safa saw NFTs. He's, he, Safa lives on the cutting edge. Uh, what, what, what got you into top shot Safa? I had gone through a, a sports card phase and I thought that it was really cool. And I was fascinated with like them as a collectible and be like, Oh, and you know, when players play well, it actually, the value of the card goes up and there's, you know, some are more limited than others. And I just thought that that was really cool. And then top shot felt like that just in a, but, but without any of the physical limitations in, you know, instant liquidity, you know, 24 seven markets. Um, it was just really awesome. And so, uh, we got served NFTs through something that we're both passionate about, which is basketball. And for sure, were either of you into crypto at all beforehand or were you just straight NFT natives? No, we were both, we were both into crypto. Um, didn't discover NFTs until early 2021, but right. have both been sort of investing in crypto and been, been sort of fans of the, of, of the blockchain and, and excited about use cases for it dating back to like, you know, 20, 2017, probably. Um, so was fortunate enough to catch that nice run. And then early 2018 was, was, <laughs> was, was there when, you know, the opposite happened. <laughs> I think, I think for us, one thing that was hard in, in 2017 was that like, I wish that I had found the like, 
that early NFT community because because for us like NFTs is like where crypto meets culture. Um, and up until late 2020, early 2021, I think for Safa and I both, crypto was very much like a strictly like financial innovation. That's the way we were looking at it. And so there wasn't, we're, we're both like fairly creative people, I guess, and, and, uh, and really interested in sort of consumer technology and things like that and in brand. And it didn't feel like this, this crypto at the time for us, for the pockets that we were in, didn't feel like a place where, where like brand and like your, your everyday consumer could necessarily exist. It felt a lot more like, you know, investments or something like that. And then with Top Shot, and particularly like in this really micro way, uh, like pack opening, all of a sudden was just this like, this like switch moment, I think for us and for so many people where we were like, wow, the, the blockchain and like making tokens non-fungible can be this like fascinating way to bring a whole bunch of people in. And so our minds really started running with like all of the different consumer applications of like what you could do with, with crypto. Yeah, one of the things that I first saw in it was the fact that in a digital world, you can make abundance of everything, limitless. So the cost of everything goes to zero. I mean, it's pretty, it's consistent across anything that gets digitized. And suddenly blockchain and particularly NFTs stop that. So you can create digital scarcity in individual mm-hmm. objects, not just a, you know protocols, and that whole thing opens up a whole new world of stuff. What was bizarre that it was the art market that took off first. Yeah, it was it was the top shots, but then art. What did you guys think of the movement of art first? Because it wasn't the obvious thing, right? Because art is a smaller cultural movement than than other stuff. It wasn't the obvious thing, but but when you look back it sort of feels a little obvious, like, like art, generally people who, who like art and artists and art collectors find themselves on, on the cutting edge and are, are, you know, anytime you see a new medium of art pioneered, whether it's not even a medium, like a style, I saw that I saw someone on Twitter say this, but you know, when you go from impressionism to realism, to cubism, to all of these different like mediums, we're now in a new one. And, and the pioneers of today are going to be, you know, potentially we'll look back at them as the, you know, the Van Goghs, the whatever, all of these really influential people in their own style. So I think in that sense, it, it was always like sort of obvious, um, never realized it at the time and, and would have loved to. But uh, when we looked at the market, we, we we saw that like sports collectibles had had their day. We saw that one-on-one art had had its day, but literature and long-form content hadn't. Uh, and we thought that that was a perfect use case for for blockchain. And so that's that's where we sort of saw our lane into the space, like from a, from a business perspective. So you see Board Ape Yacht Club, which unlocks a bunch of ideas. Talk me through this discovery of Board Ape Yacht Club and why that struck you as sure. something more. Absolutely. So at the same time that we were interested in NBA Top Shot and participating and, and, and going deeper into the space, we were also noticing, and anyone who was in the space in, in late 2020 and early 2021 would have seen this, uh, the crypto punks were starting to become really popular. Uh, anyone who was anyone, it felt like had a crypto punk as their avatar. And, and I did not, I I've been chasing a punk for a long time. And, um, uh, but, but people were using, uh, NFTs. It was, it was transitioning also into digital identity. And so folks would have their, their crypto punk as their, uh, PFP on Twitter or anywhere else, but they would like be themselves. So it would be me, a human with a crypto punk profile picture. And around that time, 
when we were starting to think about storytelling, like Safa was saying, we, we noticed that sort of longer form stories uh, could potentially have like a space in, in sort of on the internet as digital assets. We, we were thinking that the right way to do that was to sort of do it character first. And so you would see punks and you would see that people would use them as their own profile pictures. And we started to think to ourselves like, well, what if, uh, what if an NFT avatar wasn't one of us? What if it was its own thing? Uh, and, and there were a couple of things that made it hard about doing that with, with CryptoPunks. Uh, two really like notable ones. The first is that the art is lower fidelity. And so the NFT images like as default don't like necessarily lend themselves super well to storytelling because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're pixelated. Uh, and the second is that Larva Labs had, had this interesting sort of commercial rights situation where up into, up to like some level, you could monetize your CryptoPunk, but above maybe $100,000 or something, you needed to enter like a new commercial agreement with Larva Labs. And so we weren't like thoughtful enough to say at that point in time, like, oh, that commercial rights agreement will limit our creativity or something like that. But it did very much feel like you were playing, uh, like you were building somebody else's brand for them. And Bored Apes changed everything. The art was higher fidelity. So all of a sudden, there were all these NFT avatars that were out there that looked like they actually had personality, they had stories to tell, they knew things, they might see things, they would interact with each other. What is this like ape in an astronaut outfit doing with this one that like looks like a king from the 1800s, that looks like this one that looks like a valet, right? And, and, and all of them have some relationship to each other. And the other thing was that, that the commercial rights for the holder of the NFT are uncapped. So anything that you can do, any creative idea that you have is entirely yours. If you own the NFT, you own the rights to, to, that, um, to that IP and you can do what you want with it. Uh, and so those things came together and Saf and I looked at each other and we said, this is the opportunity. If we were ever going to build a character who could ultimately be a storyteller, uh, it would be with a bored ape. Because at that point in time, it was really revolutionary what Yuga Labs had done. And it's really interesting because they built a community around it and so therefore it it was already a nascent media company which some people saw other people didn't understand at all they're like why the fuck have people got pictures of monkeys and why are they trading at such prices and other people realized that because they had character and people wanted to identify in this kind of like-minded thing a seed community is everything yeah. had you guys hung out in that board ape community what what was what was your thinking about that or was it just we like this character we can do something with this i think both we we are originally uh, in addition to all the reasons that that vj mentioned we were we were drawn to them because of the community aspect and it was like this is a time where like the founders would just be hanging out in discord like they would be super accessible which is crazy to think about right because they run a you know a four billion dollar business now but um yeah they were just there you know people would you know if you if you bought one people would dm you like just saying like ape noises um welcome <laughs> you know it was like it was just a whole it was a whole thing and so it was it still is obviously but 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 early days it was like really special and a lot of the the the, the earliest members are still some of the largest proponents which is which is really cool like mentors right who who have who are still holding you know the majority of their apes some of them haven't sold any um so the community aspect was like was awesome and i think that it was sort of the first nft that really doubled as like membership to a club um and and i thought that that was sort of equally as revolutionary i say at the time like the community it's, it's quite interesting right because on on community comes up in a number of different ways on one hand you just if you had an eight profile picture 
hundreds of people would follow you right away. They would be in your DMs. They would be welcoming you. They would want to get to know you. There were folks who were posting where they lived. Safa and I, in some of the earliest days, just randomly met a bunch of apes uh, in Brooklyn uh, because that's what apes were doing. It wasn't like a commercial meeting. It was just a meeting to like get to know each other because we were all part of the Board Ape Yacht Club. But on, on sort of the other end of the spectrum, people were creating things. And, and that's, that's why we posted the first story as Jenkins was not because, I mean, we'd been talking about this idea for a long time, but it was encouraged by the fact that there were dozens of other ape holders who were doing their own creative things. So it felt like an invitation for you to contribute back to the community in like any way that you thought of. Why did you choose Jenkins? What was the idea? You see that because you've, you've got to buy an ape here. Sure. And the two of you got this crazy idea. You want to turn a character into something much bigger, long form storytelling. Uh-huh. Why Jenkins? Why not somebody else? A fantastic question. Uh, ape1798 looks more like a valet than pretty much any ape I've ever seen looks like something else. And, and every ape is special. Uh, every ape uh, has a story to tell. Why does one ape have a baby's bonnet on and a kazoo in its mouth that he's probably been partying like way too long or something? But when we saw Ape Seventeen Ninety Eight, we looked at him and and almost immediately it just it just like screamed like valet, secret keeper, person who works the door, all of those things. And so for for a couple people who are interested in storytelling and building a character. He stood out to us, Ape seventeen ninety eight, as one that you could do that with. I mean, I, I just think the idea of the valet being the conduit for storytelling is genius, right? Because the valet is like the concierge; they're all seeing, they know everything, they get all of the secrets, and and that little unlock creates almost everything. It really, really great idea. That's what it was, and at first it was like, oh. Uh, we're going to stop practicing discretion and share everything that we've seen at the Board Ape Yacht Club. And that combined with this was happening at a time where the VAYC was just reaching like really peak sort of notoriety within the NFT space. The demand for a secret keeper and storyteller from that community rose. And and we were just really fortunate to like fill that void. And once you, you start now developing this idea and launch Jenkins, do you start reaching out to other people who are doing storytelling? Because, you know, I met, for example, Timberland and what they're doing with Ape in Productions. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, here's something interesting because here's the storytellers and here's a bunch of apes doing something you can tell a story about. Have you totally. started kind of thinking, okay, what's the broader, wider narrative here that you can go through? Yeah. So back in May of 2021, when we told the first story, the the Jenkins like origin story was very much an invitation for other people to reach out to us. So the idea is that Jenkins has this job. He's the head valet at the club. Um, it's, it's a really big deal that he got it. Like it mattered a lot that, that he has the opportunity to serve in this role. And so because of that, he, he's trustworthy. He, he doesn't want to lose his job. He practices his discretion and he basically does anything that any patron needs. So he sneaks non-members into the clubs through laundry carts. He holds <laughs> private keys he he may or may not have like done a hit or two, depending on some drama that's going on. And because demand for the Board Ape Yacht Club back in May of 2021 is starting to grow, Jenkins now has offers 
in his private messages to like write his tell all, right? Someone wants to basically buy his secrets. And so that the way that that story ends is very much like an invitation for other people to help collaborate on like, what are the secrets that Jenkins knows? And, and that invitation is the same exact thing that we're doing today in Tally Labs and in the writer's room and, and sort of all of the products that we're building. It's just grown from one character on Twitter to sort of like a, a, a bit more of like an ecosystem that we are trying to build. But uh, after that first story, we just posted a form. And the form basically said, if you are an ape holder, uh, odds are you've worked with Jenkins. Write in and, and tell us in a sentence or two about uh, who your ape is and, and what they did with Jenkins. And we will turn around and we'll write like a story for you and we'll build IP around your character. And it blew us away how many apes wrote in and filled out this form. And, and as time went on, you know, hundreds wrote in and gave us like this really fascinating creative, like they're robots sent back from the future. They are bankers who, you know, have bought every crypto dip uh, and like everything in between heads of the mafia, uh, Russian spies. Like uh, it was really unbelievable. And that, that showed us that um, uh, whether you are, uh, you know, creative for, with your day job, uh, or you're just like a person who bought an ape who has some idea about what they can be. There are really interesting ways to contribute to like content and storytelling and all of those types of things. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible to crowdsource characterization. It kind of saves you a lot of a job because you're given characterization from the ape holders and you can then pick and choose from that to think, how can I weave this in in certain ways? So let, let's talk about Jenkins Valley, that whole project where you are now, what's going on, where you're going, and then the Tally Labs, you know, in the broader context. Yeah, um, we're laser focused on, on getting this book out for our community, which we're super excited talk, about. Talk to people yeah. about the book as well, because some people yeah. won't be aware of it, and I think this is great too. For sure. We feel, and we hope, and, and our goal is for it to be sort of one of the first um, longer form content projects that originates in the NFT space that eventually can really transcend it and become something that's widely consumed. Uh, we put in, you know, a, a New York Times bestseller in, in Neil Strauss to write it, which, you know, was like the first step that we felt we really needed to take in order to, to give it the best chance to succeed. And then we've stacked some like other amazing collaborators around him. And so that book itself is going to be a, an amazing piece of art that's, that's being, that has been created by uh, an artist named MBSJQ, who's a top 20 grossing artist on Super Rare. Um, the, the, the art itself will rotate as a, a custom beat uh, created by Murda Beats, who's a, a Grammy-nominated uh, producer, plays. He's worked with Drake, Nicki Minaj, Future, Travis Scott, like some amazing folks. And so um, we have a, a creative house based out of Hiroshima, Japan, who's doing um, a Where's Jenkins, uh, which is like our version of Where's Waldo, and it's like incredibly intricate. And so there's all these awesome collaborators involved. The plot was entirely voted on by the community. Uh, you sort of mentioned it prior, but the characters are all owned by members of the community. So in a lot of ways, it's like a really special and premium sort of like work that I think the whole NFT space will be able to rally behind and, and, and represent. And so um, our thought has always been if you make content with your community rather than make something and then sell it to them, you never have to wonder if they're going to like it because they're involved from the beginning. And so we feel that it's created like just a, a much more organic connection between us and the community. So that book is, is coming out um, shortly. Uh, we're going to probably re be releasing a date here in the next, next couple of weeks. Um, what you can do with that book is really sort of 
uh, where the business goes from here. Um, so we have a number of, number of other properties that are coming out. Jenkins Audio Experience really positions Jenkins as the storyteller of the metaverse and allows us to move sort of, sort of horizontally between it. Um, and so that is a partnership with a group called Salt Audio, who is an award-winning fiction podcast company, really, really high production. Like we call them essentially TV shows without visuals. Um, and so each episode is going to feature Jenkins, um, visiting another community, learning what makes it special all through like, a, a really exciting plot that we're, we're pumped about. And, and again, the characters that appear in that will be owned by the community and licensed to us as well. So that's super exciting. And then, um, where the journey sort of culminates is, uh, you know, one thing that we like to do is wrap business strategy in like creative and lore and take our community on a, on a journey as the business grows. And so uh, the journey will end in, um, in Azerbala, which is a world that we have um, spent the last six plus months building uh, in partnership with Emma Dell, who's a, a screenwriter um, who's, who's uh, is actually has a film in Tribeca this year and has a, a movie on Netflix as well. Um, she built this entire world with us and uh, our, our community will be able to mint avatars from that world. Um, and so it's how we go from, you know, being a character inside of another universe to actually building the universe and and getting getting to. So this to is your own us. metaverse experience, essentially. I wouldn't call it a metaverse experience in the same way that that um, a lot of like sort of metaverse experiences are coming to market now. We we it will be gamified shortly. But for us, our focus is like um, very tied into to content and storytelling. Um, and, and yes, like amazing games and video games and things like that are stories. But we're very focused on, um, on sort of like uh, passive media, books, movies, podcasts, things like that. And so uh, avatars who live in Azerbala will be characters sort of in every sense of the word. Uh, uh, holders will be able to name them, give them jobs, create formative events, do all of these things that they do that, that we have learned for like how you develop character. And then those characters will have an opportunity to sort of engage with each other and also be featured in like content that we produce. Um, but we don't have a desire to, to try to build like our own metaverse with, uh, you know, because a lot of amazing and really smart and really like great companies and great people are building those things already. Um, so we're more focused on staying like in our lane in that way. And if the, I guess if the book works and you find the right audience, a broader audience than just the, you know, the board eight yacht club, um, NFT holders, then I guess the next stage is, you know, cartoon, I guess. Is that, is that how you're thinking that somehow to do something on a broader scale, whether it's cartoon or film or something of that sort? Yeah, I would say that's the goal for sure. There's there's some other fun ways that, that I think we could we could leverage the IP. Um, one of the benefits of of being signed to a, a major talent agency, um, which we 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 sort of glossed over, but we we signed a CAA back in. Uh, yeah, DJ you glossed September. over. It's a big thing. Yeah. So you know, yeah. well done. August, August. <laughs> And it was cool at the time. It was, I don't know that any projects, let alone characters well, have really signed agencies. But I just um, want to hear that story as well. How the hell did you convince yeah. them that a bunch we of monkey JPEGs are IP for CAA to represent? Yeah, we actually didn't have to do a ton of convincing, which was awesome to their credit. Like they really saw, I think the potential and in, in, in not just what we're doing, but the space in general and then had sort of a task force like formed around it. And so we got connected to them. Uh, through a mutual friend of ours, just for like a bit of a, a narrower scope, which was, hey, help us, help us lock in an author um, and help us negotiate these these deals because we've never put out collaboration agreements to authors before. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so our original relationship was with the books department. And then from there, our team has grown to, you know, brand partnerships, podcast, animation, you know, film and TV, et cetera. So we have an awesome group of people that are working on this. But um, yeah, one of the benefits to that is, is we have a lot of data and we understand what makes a book um, a bestseller from a metric standpoint. Um, we're going to bring this book to market as an NFT first. And so we won't be able to qualify through um, – at least at first, like New York, uh, New York Times bestseller approved channels like a Barnes and Noble or an Amazon. Uh, but our goal is to take uh, a really successful NFT sale and then parlay that into uh, something in the traditional publishing world by being able to essentially say, "Look what look what these guys did with a book or with an NFT. Let's let's bring this to market in, in a much bigger way." And it, is there a way of because it's going to be released digitally and not on traditional platforms? Is there a way of getting informational value from how people interact with the book i yeah you can kind of tell what they read what they don't read what they like what they don't like to give you some granularity that most people don't get a hundred percent yes um there there are a ton of things that you can do when a book comes to market as an nft we are building our own web3 e-reader so when you hold the book nft it will give you the ability to connect your wallet or when you connect your wallet to a certain site, we'll be able to check that you have the NFT. And when you do, um, you'll sort of be provisioned access to, to read it. There's a, there's, you know, I mentioned there's a lot that you can do. We can see if you have any avatars in your wallet uh, that also holds the book that, that appear in the work. We can highlight them by default. We can add them to your table of contents. You can, anytime you hover over a character name, every character in the book is an NFT. They all are tokens. You can see them on OpenSea. You can see additional information that people have created about them. Um, you can you can highlight things and come back to them later. Like uh, We are really excited about that, that Web3 e-reader because we think that a lot of the features that we are building, there's going to be, there's some secrets in there too and some Easter eggs that we're excited for people to find that are, um, sort of built off of the fact that everything is a token. And so, uh, one, it'll just be fun. And we think that the reading experience will be different than just sitting down and going from the first page to the last page. But yeah, 100%, you know, we've got analytics events designed in basically every way that we can think of. And so we're going to have a lot of data about where people drop off, how fast they read things, which parts they highlight and like to share. Um, and that type of information, I have to think, will be incredibly valuable to either a traditional publisher or anybody else who wants to build like offshoot content. And so here's a question for you guys is, I don't know if it's technologically possible yet, but surely a whole film can just be NFT'd. So as opposed to, you know, it's essentially replaces Apple Plus, you know, Apple TV Plus or whatever, because, you know, you're an NFT holder, you buy it, um, uh, and you own that NFT, you can then sell it on, et cetera. Is that, is that where you think the world's going with this? Um, it's interesting because you brought up a point earlier that, that, that NFTs did something special on the internet, which is it, is it introduced digital scarcity. And digital scarcity, I think, is, is sort of the opposite of what uh, you know, a company like Apple is trying to do with Apple TV because they, they would probably love to sell us you know, a subscription to every single person in the world. Uh, whereas, of course, one of the key features of non-fungible tokens is that there's a limit. 
whether that limit is 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 one or ten thousand or a hundred thousand, still the fact that there's a limit is is useful. But I did see something you know interesting the other day. I think that OpenSea has done you know almost uh, that OpenSea may have made more just from like net profits or something in the last year than than Spotify, and that that could be wrong. But I think that it's they they are converging on each other. And so you have to ask yourself, and yet, you know, the creator is making a significant royalty every time one of these things is traded. So you have to ask yourself, like, when will, when will every creator turn down FTs as an opportunity to monetize? And the OpenSea volume is just a fact of, of, of thinking about, like, look at this other way that doesn't run through a centralized entity that still gives creators the opportunity to tell amazing stories and actually, you know, has value accrue back to all of the participants rather than like a centralized entity. And so... 100% yes, we think that like the world is headed in this direction. Yeah, I've been speaking to obviously um, Ben Mesrich as well about all of this. And, you know, he's done like you, you know, even early on in his journey, I was talking to him and I was like, do you understand the scale of what you're doing here? You're getting rid of book advances. You're getting rid of publishers. And then by the time you get it made for, for Netflix, let's say, you'll end up being able to fund it from the community. So you go to Netflix on the front foot, not after money, but after a deal. Um, it kind of changes everything. And I guess you, you guys are seeing the same idea here is that shared ownership of IP is, is incredibly powerful because you can access the money from the community to drive forward the community. Yeah, that's like the, that's, you know, sort of the thesis that, that we're building around, right? Is that, is that, um, content not just from a distribution standpoint from a creation standpoint is best you know when it's made by a group and that you know if we can build the right software and put we can put you know people from all over the world who don't know each other who each of that have their own perspective and can add that to to what we're creating you know together essentially in like a virtual room that like amazing stuff will will emerge from it um and and you know sort of like we said earlier uh when you involve them from that step the level of, of of passion and engagement and excitement that they have for the end product is just so much different than if they are just sitting on their couch watching it and you know Apple sold it to them or something. Fascinating. So, what's the next thing on the roadmap? The book you're going to announce the date in the next couple of weeks when that's finally out. Anything yep. else on the near term roadmap that people should be expecting? Yeah, the, it it really it builds off of the book. Um, some other lore from Azerbala is that in the sprawls. Reading is illegal. So anyone who holds a bored and dangerous book NFT will be able to burn it in the sprawls because that's what happens if you bring a book there. And when you burn that book, you have an opportunity to then get an Azur route that you can take to, to get an Azurian and participate in the world of Azurbala. There's also more information that's going to be coming out soon about what happens if you stake that book and you get access to, um, to basically join a DAO that we view as sort of the future of um, decentralized content creation. And that DAO is going to look a bit different than, than a lot of the DAOs that have come before it because uh, we are super focused on finding the, the perfect way to pull the most amazing principles of what have made sort of decentralized entities and protocols really special in the world of like software and finance and apply it to content creation, which is, which is a bit of a tricky thing, but um, is what we're going to be bringing to market on that side of our roadmap 2.0. Have you guys got some enormous whiteboard where you've got some big kind of spider flowchart of all of this? Because it's, it's complex. Just so- yeah, it's just Safa's brain, honestly. 
that's not true. <laughs> You're the guy who figures this all out, Safa. This no, whole kind of flow. Not, not at all. It's it's all of us. Um, we have a lot of a lot of Google Docs floating around. We had an incredible team offsite where we flew the whole team down to Miami and and we we whiteboarded out all of this and everyone just left like really aligned and, and excited. And, and um, you make a good point though. One thing that we want to do a better job of is, is effectively communicating all of these things that we have going on because there's quite a bit and we've seen projects fall into that trap. And so we want to make it complex and, and, and for a certain level of consumer, but also digestible. Yeah. And you know, it was a bit of a rabbit hole for me just seeing you guys on Twitter and then trying to figure out what the hell you're up to. And then, chatting to you and realizing oh my god you know this this is a really serious fascinating project um and it's amazing look i wish you all the best with this it's really super interesting Thank um, you. And i think you're we, onto something really big appreciate that we have some Raoul fans in the discord uh who uh, i think when you originally when we tweeted at each other a couple months back, I think you had, you had like tweeted something sort of complimentary. Uh, and we had a bunch of people in our discord saying, Oh my gosh, check this out. Like posting the link and stuff. So, um, I know I that our community, I'm, I think I'm going to buy one of the NFTs. I can't <laughs> I say how it. I can't because yeah, I'm pop, completely aligned with what you guys are doing. So I need to, I need yeah. to be in it and pop, pop in the discord for sure. But I think, I think a lot of our members will be really excited that, that we came on and, and that they get to, to hear us talk. So, um, thank you for having us. This is awesome. Not at all. And be sure to check in. And we're going to figure out some other ways we can work together as well, because storytelling works across everywhere. Totally. I know Jenkins has been dying to come talk to you as well. So we might have to we might have to get a conversation with the with the character, too. Yeah, I need to talk to Jenkins. I need to find awesome. out what's in his head. Some of the secrets <laughs> he knows. For sure. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. What surprised me the most about this interview is how such a small idea of taking one of these bored apes can lead into this massive roadmap of the future of media. That was truly mind-blowing to me. When you see something like this happening in front of your eyes, you realize that everything has changed. I've talked about it a lot. Media is not going to be the same business it was in the past, and these guys are trailblazers. Hi, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, I've got a free membership waiting for you. If you want to understand the future of everything, then understanding digital assets is the key. We're not ever going back to a pre-crypto world. Blockchain technology is transforming everything from communities to healthcare to real estate to, well, just about everything. That's why in 2020, we launched Real Vision Crypto, the world's premier cryptocurrency and digital asset video channel. Right now, Real Vision Crypto is helping more than 220,000 members understand the biggest wealth creation opportunities in a generation and maybe of all time. And Real Vision Crypto is completely free. To get your free membership to Real Vision Crypto, please visit www.realvisioncrypto.com. That's www.realvisioncrypto.com.